Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasno. This week, I am happy to bring you yet another fantastic course from the Commune Library. As you may know, in addition to being a podcast, Commune is also a video course platform featuring a wide range of programs from top teachers on spiritual growth, yoga, meditation, spirituality, functional medicine, nutrition, and social impact. Essentially, everything that you need to be holistically well. This week, you'll be hearing from spiritual leader and U.S. presidential candidate, Marianne Williamson. Her program, Teaching the Teachers, is designed to help yoga and meditation teachers, spiritual leaders, life coaches, and therapists become the best that they can be. Across the course of this program, Marianne shares decades of experience to help teachers discover the deepest version of themselves and effectively offer that wisdom to their students. So over the next five days, we will be releasing the first five parts of Marianne's course. Now, if you want to watch the full video version in all its glory, which includes 10 core lessons plus bonus meditations, transcripts, and reflections, well, I encourage you to go to onecommune.com slash Marianne and sign up for a free trial of Commune membership. That's one, O-N-E, commune.com slash Marianne. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to Commune's entire course library, including the full-length version of Teaching the Teachers. We will always email you before your free trial is up, but if you continue on to become a Commune member, well, thank you. Our members are the key reason we are able to create and share free content like this. And if you regularly tune into this podcast, I also ask you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Just tap follow show and leave us a review. It makes a huge difference. And now here's day two, where Marianne covers some spiritual basics about co-creating with the divine. I'd like to talk to you now about some spiritual basics. I am a student of A Course in Miracles, but A Course in Miracles doesn't claim to have any kind of monopoly on truth. Truth with a capital T is one, and it is spoken in many different ways, many different spiritual, religious, and psychotherapeutic systems of expression. A Course in Miracles is not a religion. It does use traditional Christian terms, but in very non-traditional psychotherapeutic ways. So when I use these terms, it's not because I think The Course in Miracles has any monopoly on truth or anything like that. But I know um, if, if, if you are a Buddhist, you don't serve someone else when you're talking about it to water down those concepts. Other people can translate for themselves. And that's how I feel here. So there's nothing about my terms that I think are more correct than any other terms. But hopefully by using the terms in the Course of Miracles within a coherent system, uh, they will be um, more easily understandable. Regardless what your spiritual path is, whether you are a, uh, a Jew and studying Kabbalah, or you are a Christian, or you are a Course in Miracles student, or you are a Hindu, or you are Muslim, or you are um, whatever you happen to be, walk your path. There's too much spiritual dilettantism 
um, in the world today, particularly among so-called spiritual teachers. This kind of, um, I know a platitude here, I know a platitude there, I have a meme on my computer here, I have a meme on my computer there. But when you don't really know an entire system, um, don't call yourself a teacher because you're not. Um, you don't have the ethical or the moral right, I don't think, uh, to call yourself a spiritual teacher if you yourself not only are not a seeker and a student, but also, for instance, in the case of A Course in Miracles, The Course in Miracles says no one can call themselves a teacher who has not completed that workbook. You can't just uh, you know, pick up a couple seminars or listen to anybody, including myself, and say, okay, I know how to do that now. So whatever your serious spiritual source material is, you must really be a student of this. Because if, if, if you're not, you're dealing on a kind of superficial level, and you have a tremendous ethical responsibility when, when you are holding in your hand someone's psychic outlook. So my first book was called A Return to Love, Reflections on the Principles of A Course in Miracles. And I sometimes jokingly refer to it as the cliff notes of A Course in Miracles. So this is The Course in Miracles basics. And once again, this is just one statement of universal truth, no better, no worse than any other, and not a substitute for your doing your own spiritual path, whether it's A Course in Miracles or any other. So in the introduction to the Course, it says that the Course can be summed up very simply in this way. Nothing real can be threatened and nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. That, that's it in a nutshell, that the mind of God is the mind of love. We are ideas in the mind of God and God is the ultimate reality with a capital R. When we are thinking with God means we are thinking with love, we are literally co-creating with God. And all of our co-creations with God are real with a capital R. Okay. When we are not thinking with God, i.e. not thinking with love, because God is all that is. God is all that is. And as The Course in Miracles says, what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. So when I'm not thinking with love, the Course says, I am actually not thinking at all. Everything that is not love is a hallucination. It is a mortal illusion. Notice that Buddha used the term illusion, and Course in Miracles uses the word illusion as well. So something might be real within the three dimensions. Your eyes can see it, your hands can touch it, your ears can hear it. But if it is a manifestation deriving from lovelessness, it is happening within this three dimensions, but the three dimensions themselves are a mortal hallucination. So it is reality, but it is what A Course in Miracles would re uh, refer to as reality with a little r, whereas only the creations of love are reality with a big r. Think of your mind as a computer. In every moment, it's like you, you know, you touch a key. So every moment, every thought we think, the Course in Miracles says, creates form on some level. Thought is, is cause, form is effect. Every thought we are choosing, with every thought we are choosing, every moment we're choosing, we're either choosing consciously or we're choosing unconsciously. A thought of love or a thought of lovelessness, which is fear. But whatever our choice will be reflected to reflected back to us in physicality, in the realm of form. Now, 
To say that something is an illusion, this is very significant from a teaching perspective. To say that something is an illusion does not mean that we ignore it. That's not transcendence, that's denial. There's negative denial and positive denial. The Course in Miracles talks about positive denial, where you look at something, but knowing that it's an illusion, knowing that it's not love, you deny its power over you. You know that this is just a manifestation of my craziness or a manifestation of somebody else's craziness. It's where I was wounded, where in that moment, I, I, I didn't know how to love and get my needs met, or if it was somebody else who behaved lovelessly towards me, in that moment they didn't know how to express love and get their needs met. But any moment when somebody brought onto the screen, whether it was me with my behavior or someone else with their behavior, if it was lovelessness rather than love, it was a moment when I was out of conscious contact or they were out of conscious contact with the truth of who we are. Now, if it was my lovelessness that caused craziness, the atonement is where I recognize it. And I, I get it, yes. Whether it's admitting a character defect, whether it's a uh, Catholic going to confession and admitting their quote-unquote sins, because a sin means that place where you missed the mark, it's a loveless thought. Or whether it's a Jew on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, recognizing where we have separated ourselves from God's love and need to atone for this. The issue then is that when we do atone, it's a kind of cosmic reset button because you change things on the level of cause. So until I atone, then whatever I did that was loveless is going to continue to have effects. So if I don't like those loveless effects, I can't just try to manage the effects. I have to go back to the level of cause, see where my lovelessness was, admit, recognize that moment when I was off, admit, wow, in that moment, I didn't let God's thinking lead. I didn't let the Holy Spirit, which is God's connecting link between him and his separated sons, I didn't let my internal teacher or Holy Spirit, by whatever name we call it, lead. I get that now. And in this moment, I choose again. That is self-forgiveness. Now, the same principle applies with someone else. To realize that in that moment, you, you, for whatever reason, I triggered you. For whatever reason, you fell out of the space of your holiness or your wholeness. So you expressed lovelessness to me. My knowing that only love is real and nothing else exists means my knowing that the real you is behind your loveless behavior. And that's the thing. Whether you call it the Christ, the Shekinah, the Buddha mind, whatever, the light, the true self with a capital S created by God cannot be uncreated and cannot be modified. It can only be unchosen. So if I have an undeletable file in the computer of my consciousness, which is my true self, and then I behave like a jerk in any moment, my true self, who God created, was not uncreated in the moment when I behaved lovelessly. It's just what Marianne brought down to the screen, but the file is undeletable. It's still in my computer. I just didn't pull it down to the screen. And that's what enlightenment is. It is the journey of choosing time after time after time, the self of which we are capable, the self which God created. And forgiveness is the realization that in all of us, whether it's me or whether it's in you, the truth of who you are is the innocent child of God. 
And I, in any given instant, choose, am I going to focus on your mistake or am I going to focus on the truth of who you are, which lies beyond your mistakes? Someone's guilt is not who we are. That's why forgiveness is the answer to every problem. Someone's guilt is not who they are. And if I respond to someone's guilt with judgment, they have fallen asleep to who they are. That's why they did something loveless. If I respond to what they did that was loveless, I am falling asleep to who I am, having fallen asleep to who they are. So the Course in Miracles says the point of power, and certainly your point in your journey as a teacher, is to realize someone's innocent, regardless of what mistakes they might have displayed. Now, the interesting thing is, if I've just made a mistake and someone slaps me for it, that doesn't, and what it tends to do is just, you know, action, reaction, action, reaction, wheel of suffering. I make a mistake. You judge me for my mistake. You punish me for my mistake. I'm more likely to just come back harder. But if I'm in the presence of someone who realizes who I am and takes a stand for their own sake, for their own sake, they take a stand for my innocence and my goodness, which doesn't mean that they wouldn't hold me accountable, doesn't mean they wouldn't have boundaries, but means that their very energy affirms my essential innocence then in the presence of that person, I'm likely to heal. I'm likely to change. I'm likely to transform. That's why forgiveness works miracles. That right there is the essence of the spiritual journey. The Course in Miracles says that enlightenment is a shift in self-perception from body identification to spirit identification. When I identify with my body, then I'm identifying with my mortal circumstances. The mortal circumstances are not the ultimate reality with a capital R of who we are. Mortal circumstances are like a veil that stand in front of a truer truth. And that truer truth is that we're all innocent, we all love each other whether we know it or not, and we're all one. The line, there is only one begotten son, means from a metaphysical perspective, we are all it. <clears throat> There's actually no place where you stop and I start. The ego mind is the belief, the false belief that we are separate. And the ego bases its, its perception on the physical senses. I'm separate. I know I'm separate. I'm in my body over here. You're in your body over there. But once again, the physical senses, the body, the body being of the mortal illusion, is not the ultimate arbiter of truth. We go to the airport, you look at a plane take off, it seems to get smaller the further away it gets. Well, you know the plane didn't get smaller. So a lot of the world in which we live is an optical illusion. And the spiritual journey is the journey from basing your primary and fundamental evidence of what's true on what the physical senses perceive to what the heart knows to be true. This gives you the power of the miracle worker. The miracle has been worked within your own mind. You've shifted from over-identification and thus over-attachment, which Buddha said is the, is the primary source of all suffering. You exit the realm of over-attachment and grasping to the reality of the physical plane, to an acceptance of the ultimate perfection of the plane which lies beyond this one. And then in your presence, because your faith has shifted, See, faith is an aspect of consciousness. No such thing as a faithless person. You either have faith 
in the manifestations of this world or you have faith in what lies beyond. I don't ignore this illusion. I, as a miracle worker, stand within the illusion knowing what I know, which is that beyond this is truth. And the way I hook into that is by affirming in myself and in other people their innocence. And if I'm willing, even if somebody's shouting at me and yelling at me and doing whatever, in my mind, in my mind, just remember, you are innocent. And if my prayer in that moment is, I am willing to see this differently. I am willing to see my brother's innocence, even if that's not what my brother is showing to me. And yes, the Course in Miracles uses brother rather than brother and sister, because even brother and sister would then imply separation. The veil falls in the presence of someone holding the vision of that which lies beyond the veil. So when you are counseling someone, when you are teaching someone, when you are coaching someone, you are there as a miracle worker in their life. And your greatest gift is that you see their innocence. And that's why you pray for them before you go into the room. That's your greatest gift. You know, we've all had like therapy sessions where, you know, at the end of the hour, you say to somebody, oh, thank you so much. This has been such a good session. And your therapist hardly said anything. That's because the quality of their listening made all the difference. It was the quality of their non-judgment, the quality of their compassion that formed a pool of possibility for you seeing certain things yourself. It's like a car when it begins to swerve and you, you, you take your hands off the wheel and, and nature will, will bring it back to center. When people are affirmed, when people are forgiven, when people are seen for who we really are, we start seeing the truth about things by ourselves. And that's a very important piece. You don't want to be, you know, I'm going to fix you or I'm going to tell you what's true, rather to hold the space, you know, and that's leadership today, is to hold the space for the genius of others. And that's particularly true for the coach, for the teacher, for the psychotherapist, really holding the space for your innocence and your wisdom. And this invites that wisdom, invites that energy to appear. I mentioned before that A Course in Miracles uses a lot of traditional Christian terms, but uses them in some decidedly non-traditional ways. So I would like to take a moment and talk about the word Christ. The word Christ, when used in books like The Course in Miracles, the mystic, more esoteric, Christic philosophy, is the notion of the real you. Because God created one Son, there is only one begotten Son. When Michelangelo was asked how he created a sculpture. He said that he would go to the quarry and in his mind, God had already created David. God had already created the Pieta. God had already created Moses. And his job was to get rid of the excess marble. So the true you is in there. It is that undeletable file in the computer of your mind. It is an undeletable file in God's mind. It is an idea of God within God's mind. And what God created cannot be uncreated and it cannot be altered. So the real you is totally innocent. One word for that is the Christ. Jesus within this mind worldview is Jesus within this philosophy is someone who has actualized the Christ, but he has actualized that which is potential within all of us. And the reason the great avatars such as Jesus exist is to be as guiding lights, elder brothers, internal teachers, which is what he is referred to in the Course in Miracles as being, 
helping us get there when we ourselves are lost in the confusion of this world. The problem we have is that millions of years ago, in time as we know it, humanity took what The Course in Miracles calls a detour into fear. It is referred to as a moment when the Son of God forgot to laugh, and we began to have loveless thoughts. The Course in Miracles says that God has the answer to every problem the moment the problem occurs. So in the moment that humanity began having a loveless thought, God created within us an eternal connecting link, one name of which is the Holy Spirit, a kind of ambassador from God into our minds so that any moment that we request it, that teacher, internal teacher, has the power to guide us within our circumstances to the thinking that will lead us out of the insanity and back to truth. The Course in Miracles says that as Jesus actualized the Christ within him, he became one with the Holy Spirit. So to call on the Holy Spirit is to call on Jesus, and to call on Jesus is to call on the Holy Spirit. Remember that I said that the Course in Miracles says that this detour into fear, this separation from God's mind, occurred millions of years ago in time as we know it. But remember, nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. So loveless thinking doesn't actually exist. So even though within our world it occurred millions of years ago, in reality, it never occurred at all. It's all an illusion. That's why enlightened beings are called awakened ones. It's The issue is to awaken from this dream of fallibility, from this dream of imperfection, from this dream of fear, which so dominates this world. The ego mind, as the word ego is used in the Course, which is the same way the ancient Greeks used it, the idea of the separated self, is the idea that I'm separate when in fact I'm not. And because I'm not really separate, what I do to you, I am doing to me. That's why the golden rule really is key to everything. A Course in Miracles says, if you are having a judgmental thought, think of a sword dropping on the head of the other person, but know that it's actually not just dropping on them, it's dropping on you. And if I'm having an attack, an attack thought about you, I'm affirming in my mind that you are guilty. Now, my ego wants me to do this because it's this feeling like, I'll get rid of my own guilt if I project it onto you, which will be true for maybe 15 minutes. But ultimately, if I see guilt in you, I will see guilt in myself. I will feel it. One of two reasons. Either because you're going to feel attacked and you're going to attack me back, point out my guilt, or what if you're an enlightened master and so you don't see my guilt? You're, you're just out of that game. You're not on that wheel of suffering. Of course, the miracle says, even if you don't attack me back and don't affirm my guilt, I will feel like you did. So I can't escape it. Every The Course in Miracles says, everyone you meet will either be your crucifier or your savior, depending on what you choose to be to them. Now you might be, whoa, 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 crucifier and savior. Once again, stay with me here. We're talking traditional Christian terms used in non-traditional psychotherapeutic ways. The crucifixion is the thinking of the ego. The cornerstone of the ego's thought system is the son of God is guilty. The ego is like a scavenger dog, like a heat-seeking missile, always looking for any shred of evidence in your brother's guilt. Did you see how she looked? Did you see that look on her face? Did you hear that tone of his voice? He didn't have to say that. She didn't have to do that. This is the ego mind. Now, the ego mind, which has dominated 
This thought system of lovelessness, which is the ego mind, has dominated the human race for, well, the Course in Miracles would say millions of years. There has been no mass awakening, but the Course in Miracles says that's the time in which we live. It is time for a mass awakening. That means a transition from a thought system based on fear to a thought system based on love. But you cannot exit that without realizing that the issue of innocence and guilt is where it all lives. The ego mind is attached to the idea that someone is guilty. Either you're guilty or I'm guilty. The spirit, the Holy Spirit's thought system, which is the truth of who you are, is the realization that you're innocent and I'm innocent. Yeah, you might have made a mistake, and I've certainly made mistakes, but that is not the truth of who we are. And as I atone for my mistakes and forgive you for yours, both of us are freed from the effects that the ego would otherwise place in our lives, keeping you in hell and keeping me in hell. Hell isn't something after we die. It's the anxiety and the depression and the awful feelings that we have when we are lost outside the circle of love. The crucifixion is the energy pattern of the ego. You did it wrong. You did it wrong. You did it wrong. That's what crucifixion is. Resurrection is. But the truth, the truth of who you are isn't affected by your mistakes and it's not affected by my mistakes. And in this moment, we can always begin again because God doesn't dwell in linear time. The past is only in your mind. The future is only in your mind. The one place where God's time intersects linear time is in the present moment. Any moment that we enter without dragging the past with us, we are reborn. And this is particularly significant in the issue of forgiveness because if I'm angry at you, it's by definition because of something you did before. You know, I've done this so often in my life. I think we need to talk about what you did, right? Well, all you're going to do is feel attacked as opposed to my praying, I'm willing to see your innocence. And then if, if, I'm, if I'm really centered in my own thinking in your innocence, you will feel that from me, which means your heart is open to hear me. And then a lot of things that I thought I needed to talk to you about, they will just fall away. Other things might need to be discussed, but they will be discussed from an entirely different place as a sharing rather than an attack. My consciousness will be grounded in your innocence rather than your guilt, or my perception of your innocence rather than your guilt. Therefore, my mind is aligned with God. I have accepted the healing of my own perception, which is always the job of the miracle worker. And then no matter what I say, it will be said from a place that you will hear as a sharing of love rather than an attack. Now, once again, this is, this is the work for all of us as, as ministers of God, as the Course in Miracles would say. And all of us are here as ministers of God, no matter what we do. For you to be a spiritual teacher, a coach, a therapist, or whatever, is one form that the ministry takes, one form that our teaching takes, our teaching being our demonstration. But this is how all of us become miracle workers, and all of us are here to be miracle workers, where we, whether we call ourselves teachers or coaches or psychotherapists or just plain people living on this earth who have a holy function given us by God, and that means all. A Course in Miracles is not a religion, it's um, no dogma, no doctrine. 
it doesn't claim to be for everybody. It has no monopoly on the truth. But in case this is a path that you're drawn to or that you see as something to augment other, other teachings that you relate to, um, let me tell you a little bit about how this book works. And remember, there is one truth with a capital T, and it's spoken in many different ways, different language, etc. Um, the Course in Miracles is one book that contains three different volumes. There's volume one, which is the text, volume two, which is the workbook for students, and volume three, which is called the Manual for Teachers. The volume one is the intellectual basis of The Course in Miracles, and it takes a long time to read it. It's not easy reading. The second is 365 days of exercises, of lessons. The, the, the workbook is the crux of the course because it trains your mind to think along the lines that the text sets forth. The first half of the year is dismantling a thought system based on fear, and the second half of the year is, is, is building a thought system based on love. Some people begin with volume one, some with volume two, some with volume three. It's whatever feel, people feel moved to do. But whichever book you're reading, you read it from the beginning. Um, in this issue that we were discussing before about yoga and correct musculature, there's attitudinal musculature, just like there's physical musculature. So um, you, you do physical muscles, the physical work, and of course yoga is a blend of both, you do physical exercise, I'm working against gravity, right? Accumulated repetition to work against gravity, and that makes my muscles strong, and then it enables me to move. When you do spiritual exercises, such as the workbook of the course, you are working against emotional gravity. You are working against cynicism and anger and, and laziness and all of that in your thinking. And whereas strong physical muscles give you the capacity to move powerfully, strong attitudinal muscles give you the power to be still, to be non-reactive, to be present, to not say something stupid so fast or whatever. So both are so important, but it is those doing your, your spiritual exercises is as important, but also parallel in terms of principle to physical work. Does that make sense? One of the things I've seen in the higher consciousness community is I, I always joke uh, that sometimes I hear people talk about spirituality, but they never get around to the word God. And there's a lack sometimes in our conversation of, of the a realization or the notion that there is a power in us, but not of us that can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now, in, in the Christian tradition and in the Course in Miracles, well, certainly in the Course in Miracles, it is not an exclusive Jesus. The Course in Miracles does not say he is the only one. But the Course in Miracles does say that he is someone who actualized uh, the potential within all of us. And he thus became one with the Holy Spirit. The Course in Miracles says that the Holy Spirit was God's answer to the ego. So the idea is that when we have a problem, there is something and someone that we can surrender it to, to ask for help. You're the problem, you're not the answer. So ultimately, spiritual healing is not self-help, right? And none of us can priest ourselves, by the way. None of us can priest ourselves. That's what you need friends for, 
when I was in the car the other night, I said to Kristen, will you say a prayer for me? I can't, you can't, it, it, it's a power in you, but not of you. So this idea, regardless of the words you use, you know, often I will say to people, is Jesus part of your problem-solving repertoire? Because that's, of course, a miracles term, problem-solving repertoire. If Jesus isn't part of someone's problem-solving repertoire, you would not use it. And maybe it's not part of your problem-solving repertoire, so wouldn't, you wouldn't use it. But if it is, or Holy Spirit is a, is a traditional Christian term, some people aren't comfortable with that. It's not about the language, but the idea that there is a power and what the Course in Miracles calls an internal teacher. So you're actually surrendering, like when we talked before, that you're actually giving it up, that, that there's something I'm giving it to, because otherwise you're just stirring the pot, talking about your stuff, as opposed to asking that it be taken away. So in, in A Course in Miracles, the idea is that there is one, although The Course in Miracles says he's not the only one, who has so actualized the divine potential within us. It's like if, if Picasso, you were in a painting class, and Picasso said, would you like some notes? You wouldn't turn him down. So in the realm of personal development, which is ultimately spiritual development, why would you not take the guidance of someone who's already done it fully? And the Course in Miracles says that because he did actualize that place, he was then given by God the assignments. Should someone request it, that he is now an elder brother. He's an evolutionary elder brother who can help us when we request it. He says in the Course in Miracles, my mind joined with your mind can shine away the ego. So for instance, I might say, um, Jesus, if I relate to it as Jesus, Jesus, uh, I have a lot of judgment of that person. And I know intellectually I'm not supposed to have judgment of that person. And I get that you're all like enlightened and you don't, but this is too much of a trigger for me. Uh, but I am willing. I am willing to see him differently. So the idea here is that you would say, I'm willing to see him as you see him. And then, and then he's over here and he looks over, he looks at the guy and then he says to you, I like him. Right? He sees through because the miracle is the extension of perception beyond what the physical senses perceive to what the heart knows to be true. And then when requested, and if you don't request, it's a violation of your free will. But when requested, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, whatever words you use, literally has the power to dismantle those subconscious gnarly places. You can't do it yourself. So whatever your language, the concept, the concept is extremely helpful. And then that's also important if you remember as a teacher or counselor, you're not doing it. You don't have that miraculous authority. But as someone who knows, number one, that that authority exists, and number two, that through that authority of God, of the ultimate power, miracles occur naturally. Because in the presence of love, miracles do occur naturally. As long as you're helping the person get to the point of atoning for their mistakes and forgiving others for theirs. You're helping that person get to that field of endless love where the miracle will occur. Mm -hmm. But to remember, at least in your thinking, even if it's not appropriate in the language, that there's some other figure here by whatever name who is taking us to that place, that deliverer, just like Moses delivered the Jews. It's the idea that God sins and in a power to deliver us in a way that we could not deliver ourselves.
Thanks a lot for listening to this excerpt from Marianne Williamson's course on Teaching the Teachers. If you want to watch all 10 days of this course, plus access bonus meditations, transcripts, and reflections, well, go to onecommune.com slash Marianne and sign up for a free trial of commune membership. That's one, O-N-E, commune.com slash Marianne. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to commune's entire course library, including the full-length version of Teaching the Teachers. Okay, well, feel free to email me with any suggestions and criticism of the constructive variety at jeffk at onecommune.com. That's all from the commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasnow, and I am here for you.